You're listening to Bell, Book, and Candle with Mela Borowski. Thoughts from a Southern Witch. Should have studied witchcraft. Should have learned to ride a broom. So me and my black cat could fly through the skies underneath the moon. I'm Mella, and I'm the witchy Southern Belle in Belbuck and Candle. I'm thrilled to have Lucia Moreno Bella and Gwyneth Box of the Modern Pagan Prayers Project with me today. Lucia is a pantheist who believes pagan theology can contribute to the conversation on justice and climate change. She lives with her wife and her two children in Madrid, Spain. Spiritually non-tribal, Gwyneth writes in many genres and is an award-winning poet. She leads workshops, mentors nonfiction writers and poets, and appears regularly at open mics and on the radio. Welcome, Lithia and Gwyneth. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for having us. us. I received a newsletter from Cherry Hill Seminary, which may sound familiar to some of the listeners, as just a few weeks ago, I had Holly Emore, Executive Director, here on the podcast. And in this newsletter, my eye went to pagan prayer, and I was instantly interested as pagan prayer is a huge love of mine. There was a workshop, I signed up for it, and this led to having the two of you here today on the podcast. So I would love to hear more about each of you just to give us some insight into who you are and how you got to the point where you are spiritually. Do you want to go ahead, Weenus? Okay, as the introduction, as you said, I would describe myself as spiritually non-tribal, but I was certainly brought up in a ostensibly Christian household. And fortunately, my experience there was actually very, very positive. The church that I went to was a Baptist church, um, which I think is not quite the same as an American Baptist church, but... um, It was very, very inclusive, and I have good memories of my time at that that church, that chapel, but it's not something that I continued with. But also, I would say that there's been a lot of influence of folklore here. Um, I don't know whether that is the case in all parts of the world, Mm. but I certainly, I was brought up on reading myths and legends, and reading lots of the old fairy stories Mm. and the like. And I think it's just all come together in a recognition of the world, the planet, not a specific deity. Mm. Um, Maybe some more of that will come out as we speak further. That's probably a good beginning, I think. Thank you. And Lucia? So I was brought up in a secular Catholic household that was a fundamentalist atheist uh, with uh, emphasis on fundamentalism, a very materialistic view of life and of human existence that I continued on until my 30s when a traumatic event in my life made me want to have a more developed spiritual side. And I um, started shopping for a religion (laughs) in a very scientific way. I read books on them. And then I discovered modern paganism. And that was, it really felt like a homecoming to me. And it made sense of a lot of experiences that I've had had throughout the years that I couldn't quite understand. And... It just, it just felt right. It just felt right. I've been involved with a coven for the last five years, and I am a devotee of uh, Hecate, Bridget, and the Wild God, mm. especially as Dionysius. And yeah, I am a pantheist, but I'm also a soft polytheist and an animist. I'm a student at Cherry Hill, a student of theology, and. I'm really happy to be a pagan. <laughs> <laughs> so many people use those same words that it felt like a homecoming. I hear that from so many people, and that's how I felt as well. Hmm. So how did you two begin working together? Originally, we started working together many years ago 
because I was living in Spain at the time and Lucia and I met at the Madrid Writers Group. There was the general writers group and there was the poetry group and I sort of left the poetry group, but we also both attended the writers group. And Lucia invited me to help with some translation, some children's literature. But then, well, we just continued in touch. We've had dealings with with writing in the commercial sphere as well, um, because we've both been involved in translation. But we basically lost touch until, what, 18 months ago. Mm. And then Lucia got in touch. So Lucia, I'll hand it across to you. Wow. <laughs> so I deeply respect Wyneth as a person and as a writer. Um, she is a very compassionate critic and I knew, I've always known I could count on her to be um, helpful and uh, really it's, she's someone who wants you to be a better writer, uh, no strings attached. And so um, at this point, it was the lockdown in Madrid. We had a terrible lockdown. I, I didn't leave my apartment for three months and um I was struggling emotionally, uh, financially, socially, and spiritually with the lockdown. I wrote a prayer for the people who were dying, and I wrote it in English. I write in English often for some reason, I don't know why, maybe because English is a wonderful language. And uh, I knew that I needed someone to read it and to critic it so that it would be a better piece. And immediately I thought of Wyneth and I sent it to her. I knew that if she didn't have time, she would just tell me I don't have time. And if she had time, she would give it to me. So I wrote her an email out of the blue saying, well, I wrote this. Do you want to read it? And she said, yes. Aren't I lucky? A blessing for departing souls. I bless you, departing souls, vacating the bodies that held you, no longer bound by matter, decarnated. I see you with the eye of consciousness, spiralling up, up towards the threshold. Whatever you might find on the other side, I ask you, do not forget that you were once human, inhabiting matter that could shiver, feel pain and desire, and that you walked the earth, as I do, in all its glory and its horror. I bless you, departing souls, and wish you the best on your journey. May you incarnate in flesh or leaf or stone, or not at all, as is your choice. I bless you, departing souls, spiralling up, up towards the threshold. I hope your life was full. Bon voyage. Tell us more about the Modern Pagan Prayers Project. Well, that, that initial prayer, the blessing, was, was a starting point. Mm. I viewed it very much as poetry, critiqued it as poetry, and it's like, I don't know very much at all about paganism, and I'm not going to step in here, that's not my role here. Mm. Um, but then afterwards, I think Lucia felt that there was more to be done, and she said she wanted to write a book, and asked for my assistant to edit it, mm. and I thought, yeah, no, I'm on board with this. But when she sent me a couple of uh, pieces for it, and I started to look at them, and I thought, you know what? This is so tempting. I really can get on board with this. This is something that appeals to me, and it, my own poetry deals with themes that are not dissimilar. Mm. And it sort of stepped off from there. And it was there. Yeah. And I remember at first, um, Wyneth was a little scared of approaching me and she 
gave me this whole speech as, you know, if I'm overstepping my boundaries, I know this is your project, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I was so happy that she was on board. I really believe in collaborative work and I knew we could do something much better than our own personal work. Hmm. That's yeah. so beautiful. I'm so thrilled that y'all provided me with the gorgeous readings of many of the prayers from your first book. So listeners, you will find prayers from A Wound in Time throughout this interview. Do y'all want to mention who's reading the prayers? Yes, we asked for the prayers to be read by a, a friend of a friend, Imogen Smith, who is an actress by profession. She's professionally trained. Mm. And we felt that although... I do enjoy reading aloud, as, as we said, I, I perform at some open mics and the like. It would be interesting to have a different voice. So we asked Imogen to, to record some of the prayers, and she did. And they're beautiful. I listened to every single one of them when they were sent to me. <laughs> a blessing for those who break lockdown. I bless all of you who break lockdown. I bless you for you are selfish. May you find the courage to be thoughtful. I bless you for you are angry. May you find the courage to be calm. I bless you for you are afraid. May you find the courage to trust. I bless you for you are bored. May you find the courage to be patient. I bless you for you are protesting. May you find the courage to stay strong. Whoever you are, and whatever your reasons, I bless all of you who break lockdown. May I find the courage to respect you. When I teach about pagan prayer, I always have people in my classes that are just there because it may be part of a bigger course and their attitude is prayer isn't for pagans. And I tell them that prayer doesn't belong to any certain religion or spirituality. And despite it being claimed by certain religions, I am reclaiming it for paganism. So do you find that you have had to explain yourself to other pagans about why you're calling it prayer and you're, why you're writing prayers? I've never had to explain it to anyone. I think that people around me use prayer, do pray. They will also use prayers that they call by other names like invocation mm -hmm. or blessing, but all of these are prayers right. at the end. So I haven't had to explain it, but I do, I do know and, and I have in the past encountered people who often mm, might have been hurt by uh, abusive forms of religion and who are just deeply mistrusting of uh, anything that might smack off their previous religion, right? And I think that with prayer, that's a problem. We have to remember that pagans before Christianity prayed too. Yeah. I think prayer is just a natural um, human instinct when you want to talk to the gods, that's prayer. And it's such a pity that it's been used to propagate dogma and to limit people, but that, that's not in its nature per se. Yeah, that's where I came from. And that's where I think a lot of the people who take offense come from. And I can understand that because mm -hmm. it was, I'm, I'll be 50 this year. So it wasn't until my forties that I kind of began that whole reclaiming and got really excited about it because when I went to school very late in my life, I graduated in 2018, so we're talking mid-40s there. Part of my curriculum was a class on meditation and prayer, and one of the assignments that they made us do was to attend a prayer meeting with the classmates every single week, and I was so stubborn about it. And at the very first prayer meeting, I announced, I don't pray, but I'll do my own thing. Like, I was so nasty. <laughs> But as I took this class, I fell in love with it. I released all that negativity that I'd had from the hurt that religion had done to me and 
having a background, I love poetry as well. They taught this style called the collect prayer style. I love word pictures. I love writing. And so mm. I really took to that. And that's why, why I love it so much now. And not everyone prays in poetic style, but y'all's prayers, they are so poetic. Why do you feel that poetry works so well for prayer? Well, I was going to point out that if prayer's got a bad rap, so has poetry. It's actually quite it's actually quite embarrassing to have to stand up and say, I'm a poet. Right. <laughs> but I think that this came from from the skill set that we have as much as anything. Mm. But it's interesting because just this morning, Lucia and I were talking about whether we pray. Mm. And and I went, Well, I think that depends on how you define prayer. Right. Because I don't think that prayer needs to be just words. Mm -hmm. I think that your whole life can be a prayer. And I think that we have this mistaken idea of prayer. So often it's associated with petitionary prayer, asking for something. And for me, it's much more of a celebration, a gratitude, yes, an expression of gratitude, of celebration, of recognition of of the gifts that, that are out there. And I think that that works very well with poetry as well. It's it's nice to frame it using the poetic tools. Mm. Yes, if you want a prayer to be memorable, uh, then using the tools of poetry will help you do just that. Mm. So there's a difference between spontaneous prayer and, and a prayer that is fixed, that is a text that you will repeat. And it helps when you have a prayer that is fixed. It helps if you can memorize it easily. And poetry is much easier to memorize. There's also a beauty in poetry that adds to the experience of praying. Like Mm -hmm. I often pray with snippets from uh, the Charge of the Goddess because some parts of the Charge of the Goddess are just pure beauty. And I feel that it really adds to my experience just the beauty of the words and the beauty of the meaning behind the words. So we really want to make prayers that are uh, meaningful for a lot of people and a lot of communities and that they are useful and people can easily remember and memorize. I love that. A blessing for dead bodies that they may live again. Blessed be the bodies that, having merrily lived, now part with the soul they held. Feet no longer dancing, hands no longer raised, mouths no longer exploding in outrage or in laughter. May you melt into rivers, be crushed into soil, fly up in ashes or in air, that you may be home to souls that need not life to live. And then be eaten drunk and breathed, digested and metabolized into thorn, bone or flesh, and merry meet with life again. Lucia, what's your approach to writing a new prayer? What's the process for you? I'm a very intuitive writer, and um, I've had prayers downloaded in my brain. in a kind of trance or in dreams. Um, And I just feel, sometimes I sing, especially in the car, because apparently I'm a very bad singer. So my family doesn't allow me to sing at home. Uh And and a lot of the songs, I just start saying things that I want to tell the deity. And it just comes as a small text that I then expand. But at some point, when you write a book, you just have to sit down and say, I'm going to write a prayer today. <laughs> and <laughs> and I remember uh, at this, this one point during the first book, I told Winnet, well, if we want the book to be out by this date, we need to write three pieces each this week. <laughs> and we just started laughing. You know, it's impossible. We'll never do it. And then the next week, we had six pieces. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think that's part of what I learned at the Madrid Writers Group. It's that discipline of writing, 
which also applies to prayer. Sometimes you pray and you don't feel anything. But if you mm -hmm. take the discipline to do it, then it, it just adds up day after day after day. You get better at it. Yeah, that's like gratitude. Mm -hmm. You may not feel yeah. like being grateful, but you just need to be grateful every day and make it a practice. Mm -hmm. Gwyneth, yeah. same question. What's your process when you are writing a new prayer? I was very, very fortunate with these books because Lucia had the idea. And I'm, I will admit that I'm much more about the craft than I am about the idea. And so if someone says, we need this, I can probably write it. Mm. And what Lucia did, certainly before the, the third book, which was Turn of the Wheel, um, and so there's a section for each of the festivals throughout the year, and she brainstormed the themes, because I admit to my ignorance, I would, I would have known some of them, but certainly not all of them. Mm -hmm. And so I went through this list of themes and thought, okay, well, that one appeals to me. Mm. And then what I tend to do is find one image, one idea, one central concept, and then look at it in different, from different perspectives, look at it in different ways, and, and use the tools of poetry, the, the repetition, the macrocosm, reflected in the microcosm and and those sort of ideas the patterns to build from that that central core do you ever write a prayer together all of them. all the time okay how, how does that work do you write one line or one stanza and the other does the other how does that work working together to write a prayer usually one of us writes uh, a prayer or a prayer project, <laughs> mm. something that will become a prayer later on, and shows it to the other. We are we live in different countries, so we work with um, Google Docs, and uh, we go together on the document and start just brainstorming and making changes, both of us at the same time on the document, mm. and correcting each other correcting each other's spelling mainly and um, and then looking how it looks moving things around uh, it's this it's the first time I work like this and it's really amazing I don't think I could do it with anyone else I can do it I I can do it because I can be completely honest and I know that Winnet will not mind if I do something wrong or my ideas are not perfect so I feel amazingly free so there's a lot of trust involved then Yes. Absolutely. This project has been an amazing collaboration. Lucia says she's never written like that before, nor have I, and I didn't know it was possible. I know that people who write books together, they co-author, and one of them writes one chapter and the next one, the other one writes the other chapter, the mm -hmm. next chapter, and so on, or they allocate different themes. But this really, all right, each of us, could probably identify which prayers we started. Mm. But once they were started and they were put there in front of the pair of us together, as Lucia said, it was very much, uh, no, that was, no, that's not the word we need. And we'd start mm. typing lists and lists of words that might go in. And then, or Lucia would put a word in and I'd say, oh no, I need that up here. And I'd just cut it out and paste it in in, in the previous. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was a pure joy mm. I think that the the meetings themselves turned into little I mean I referred to them as our prayer meetings <laughs> but they they were very much a, a celebration mm. and that's as I say my pretty much my idea of prayer mm. So what's the story behind the birth of the first book? I think y'all have already talked a little bit about that with being in lockdown and a wound in time really is about the pandemic, correct? Mm, yes. When I was locked at home with my two teens and I felt completely useless, 
I felt that there was a crisis going on in my country and I couldn't do anything to help. And everybody kept saying, well, you're doing fine by taking care of your family and staying at home. And I was really, really feeling it wasn't enough. And to me, when I've done everything I can and I can no longer do anything, I pray makes me feel that I'm doing something. And also the physical act of praying brings me peace. So um, prayer became much more important in my life during the pandemic. And I really felt that it was a crisis in our history and in my personal life, really like a parenthesis. And that's where the idea of a wound in time comes from. I feel like time was somehow halted during those months. Mm. And um, I felt that a lot of people would be feeling similar things. And that's one interesting thing about this project is that we're not writing prayers for ourselves. Yeah. We're writing prayers for the community, for mm. other people. So when you write a prayer for yourself, um, the rules are different, the things you do are different. But here we really wanted to say, well, if we're feeling like this, or if I'm feeling like this, other people will be feeling the same. Yeah. Let's act. Let's give them tools to feel better. And that's how I st it started. I think that's true, though, of a lot of writing, and a lot of, a lot of people don't really realize that. But once you've written it, if you put it out there, you are giving it, not giving it away, even if you're selling the book, you are giving your word out to the public, to other readers, and they can then do with them and interpret them the, the way they want. Um, because obviously we are sitting in our own cultures, we've got our own, um, our own climate, our own cultural climate and natural climate and the rest of it, and what we write applies, it comes out of our experience. Mm. And so when it is put in front of someone else, they may well need to change it. And I think that, I don't know if all the books say it, but I, I know that the, the last, the second two, two and three, both say that the, the prayers are out there for your use. There's space in the book for you to add notes to add your own prayers and your own ideas. And I think that this is almost, you know, it's, it's a basis. We think this works, but if you need to change some of that imagery because the flowers that I take for granted and associate with certain meanings and that, if that doesn't work for you, I'm not gonna say, oh, but you can't do that. Mm -hmm. I actually wanted to ask y'all about that because I did notice that in Elemental Voices and Turn of the Wheel, it specifically did state that the prayers can be adapted, you can alter it to fit what people need, and I love that. But I noticed that it was not included in A Wound in Time, so I wanted to see if that meant that that was different, or but what you're saying is they're all to be altered, used. Yeah, I think that that's something that we, we learned as we wrote because mm -hmm. When we started, the the intention was not to write a series of books. Mm. We didn't quite have that plan. But we've learned a lot through the process and realized that now, actually, that's the way it should be. Mm. I think you'd agree with that, wouldn't you, Lucia? Yes, yes. It grew into the project. It started as a poem, then it became a book. And if you told us when we first work on the first um, poem that we would be writing our third book 18 months later we would you know we'd say <laughs> mela caught on the alcohol <laughs> <laughs> right. we yeah. never thought it would turn into this but it turned out that we had there, there were there were lots of prayers within us mm -hmm. i i see it like that and they found an exit through the project we said, well, let's let's really put out their prayers for people who might not have them. Because yeah. I know, you know, paganism is, is, a, is a recent religion and we do not have a body of literature like other religions have. Mm -hmm. So although there are excellent books on prayers, you can count them with your, the fingers of one hand. 
So we really thought, you know, let's just move on and see where that takes us. And where it takes us is that there's a lot to do and we have a lot to say. Mm. In A Wound in Time, I was really drawn to a blessing on the messengers. It really spoke to me because between being in my home for so long, because of my autoimmune issues, and recently having breakthrough COVID, which is I'm going on day 33 or something like that, Mm -hmm. I just related so much to my gratitude for the UPS, the FedEx, the mail carriers, delivery folk, all my friends and family that have brought things to my doorstep. And I think that they're often forgotten. So it was so beautiful to see that prayer. And I really love the ending. May they find their parking spaces near their destinations empty. Tell me about this poem. That is certainly one that I remember starting. Mm, Um, But it it is, as I say, like all of them, um, Lucia put in her her thoughts and (laughs) added her ideas in there. But for me, it was, there were only certain things we were allowed to do during lockdown. Mm-hmm. We were allowed to go out just for an hour a day to to walk, um, and everybody was turning to buying things online, even if they'd never done that before. And I found that the neighbours who I've never met were putting handwritten notes through doors saying, "Do you need any help?" You know just let us know and there was this whole sense of community certainly where i am in the uk uh, and i felt that those messages and the people who were keeping us connected it was important to to conserve this moment in time because there's a lot that the pandemic has been utterly horrendous mm-hmm. but there was actually a lot to recognize of good things that happened. Yeah. Yeah, there's sacredness to connections. Mm -hmm. And the people who make it possible are often overlooked, right? Because they're poorly paid. They're not, uh, they work in horrible conditions, you know, exposed to weather and so on. And we kind of see them as servants. But Mm -hmm. what more sacred thing can you find at service? Yeah. And uh, yeah, that, that was a particularly beautiful poem. I think there is actually one other thing that came in there, is that um, I've always been attracted to the idea of Mercury, the messenger god. Mm-hmm. And so that was a, a, a piece that I felt I should write. Mm, that was perfect, yeah, adding that, adding Mercury was perfect. A prayer for forgiveness of excess. We stockpiled and hoarded, for we were afraid. We binged on comfort foods, for we were anxious. We drank too much alcohol, for we wanted to forget. We skipped the salads, fruit and vegetables, for they were expensive and less freely available. We ate too many ready meals and frozen dinners, for we were lazy and dispirited. We ordered delivery and takeouts, for we missed eating out and deserved a treat. We have punished our bodies. We have lost sight of our self-respect. We have forgotten to be kind to ourselves. We recognise our weakness and ask for strength. May we have the courage to forgive ourselves and make a new beginning. I really felt myself in the prayer for forgiveness of excess as well. And I've talked about it before on the podcast, but during the pandemic, during lockdown, it was very difficult for me to abide by the eating habits that I need to do to keep myself as healthy as possible. Because I'm supposed to not be having dairy or corn or soy and all this other stuff. And I really had to forgive myself at some point and just start again. It's so important to forgive ourselves. And so I was wondering, your prayers are really so down to earth. They're so accessible as opposed to a lot of other prayers that, not to say one is 
better or worse than the other, but some are just very kind of lofty and, and just all these thoughts. But these prayers seem very down to earth. Was that actively a priority or did it just happen? <laughs> no, no, I think that it is very definitely an aim of, of mm. what we're writing. Um, and also, I would say that it's to do, it sort of brings in the whole concept of mindfulness. Being aware of the little things, being aware of your place and the things that are a part of your life, mm. which I think is very much a theme of, of now, where we are. And it became, it was particularly brought home during, during the lockdown. We came, became more aware of the little things. But I would say that my writing has always looked at the domestic issues rather than the big issues, because I think that for me, it's important to work from within. Mm -hmm. I can't change the world if I can't change me. Mm. So I've got to start with small stuff. I've got to start with the personal. Mm. I think there's also um, in paganism, there is a recognition that the body and everyday life is sacred. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no such a such difference between sacred things and mundane things. The mundane is sacred. Mm -hmm. So um, it's very important that we don't fall in learned um, attitudes towards our body, in guilt trips, in this idea of purity and perfection, in the idea that a mind is more powerful than body, or that intellect is more powerful than sensation and feeling. That's not what paganism is about. Mm -hmm. Paganism is about rec recognizing um, the holiness of the body and the holiness of imperfection and uh, the holiness of grossness. Mm -hmm. We all indulged in excess because we were stressed and uh, we should give ourselves a break and understand that if something helps you with stress, then it's holy. Hmm. That's such synchronicity because one of the other poems that I wanted to ask you about was in Turn of the Wheel to the Goddess and Her Grossness. Hmm. I was just really struck by that one. Yes, we, we got a, that idea from um, the allergic pagan. He has a, a small um, blog entry about the grossness of the of, of the goddess and uh, for me it's this is very important as a gardener that uh, we understand that life is nourished by things that we usually think of as gross or dirty yeah. Yeah. we call soil dirt and and that really i believe it's it's a it's a christian way of thinking that somehow Light, they, they, life is uh, better than darkness, death, and night, when in fact it's all necessary. You cannot have beautiful plants and beautiful fruits if you don't have a compost heap. And this, this composting and this uh, putrefaction and this oozing. <laughs> matter and the others and the textures of that that's where life comes from yes yeah, a cycle of life exactly yes and so we really felt that the wheel of the year beautifully um, shows us that cycle and we felt that we needed to talk about that and somehow to break down these received notions that we have about purity and cleanness Mm. Um, that are really not in any way pagan. Mm. Yeah, I think actually that was after I'd written, I'd, I'd written a piece um, for one of the summer seasons, I'm not quite sure which one, um, but it was to the goddess in her beauty. Yeah. And um, Lucia then said, but that is only one side of the coin. We need to balance this up. And I think that a lot of the pieces in Turn of the Wheel, 
those sort of pairings at different sides of the year mm. because that is, as you say, the whole cycle of life where yeah. the, the darkness and the light need each other or they just don't exist. That's true. Yeah, so the goddess in her grossness is, is a delight to read, to taste. Mm. So are y'all planning on teaching any more workshops? I know the one I'm attending will already be passed by the time this airs. So is there a plan for more? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I think that we would both um, welcome the opportunity to do more. But one that we do have on the horizon is coming up in spring of 2022 at Harvard Divinity School. Lucia, do you have the exact name of that? Or... Um, it's at their Ecological Spiritualities Conference, yes. I think it is. It's the inaugural conference on Ecological Spiritualities, and uh, it's to celebrate the new uh, department in Harvard Divinity School, which is called the, the Department for the Evolution of Spirituality. Mm. And they've um, basically called on the community and the academia to propose um, lectures and workshops and we propose a workshop on prayer writing to see how we can write prayers that make sense to us in the modern world prayers that are detached from the um, the ones that we have received and that better reflect our own personal evolving theologies and the concerns of our world mm. so what does a prayer for clean oceans look like and you know, if you are atheist, how do you pray? How mm. can you pray? And it, it's it's pretty much an interfaith workshop. It's it's meant to be useful to anyone, no matter their theology. And we're very excited to go to Boston for that in April. That sounds amazing. Mm. What what are the plans for the future for both of you together, or even individually? Well, I think. We would like to do more workshops. I mm -hmm. think that there are more books. I'm not sure that they will necessarily be more prayer books, so I suspect there will be more. Mm. I think that I will probably write more prayer, even mm. if um, I'm, I'm not sure about the joint projects at the moment. Okay. Um, what about you, Sophia? Well, we, we have uh, a book that's written. <laughs> And um, we're, we're kind of thinking of what edits we want to do to that. And um, we definitely want to go on with the workshops and maybe some online classes. We definitely want to hear more voices. I know I do want to hear more, more voices. I, I really would like to continue to explore the idea of prayer and, and also the materiality of prayer, like praying beads and um, yeah. candles and things like that, because I, in my own personal practice, prayer beads are very important. Mm -hmm. So I really would like to maybe have been toying with the idea of writing prayers specifically for prayer beads and so on. I think we will... Right now, we're very uh, centered on the workshops, but I, I really see ourselves in a few months with a quick email titled, I wrote something, it might be a prayer. <laughs> yes. I've thought of something else that I know that I want to do as well, is that I've been working um, before lockdown, I was working with some local musicians uh, with some of my poetry and then lockdown put a put a stop to that and we just had our first meeting last month and i would very much like to use some of their music they're they're not exactly folk musicians um although that is one of the genres that they they do and i would like to work with them to put music behind some of these pieces that we've already written and mm. see how we can use that because we used to perform at one of the local open mics here and they do music and I do words and sometimes we do things together and I think that there is a huge potential for expanding using what we have already written and yeah. doing more with it oh yeah that would be amazing Thank you.
Morning Dedication. In the tree outside my window, the birds were singing at dawn. I too raised my voice in thanksgiving. On the neighbour's stoop, the cat grooms herself carefully, earnestly. I wash away the past and start each day anew. The oranges on my kitchen counter are bright and unashamed. I will be true to myself in body and mind. The coffee cuts through early morning blur to clear my head. I will offer honesty to those I deal with. There are dandelions in the yard, their faces wide and welcoming. I greet this day and all it brings with cheerfulness. Lucia, I love pagan prayer beads. I've made some before and I have written prayers that go with them. So I think that, mm -hmm. that would be a great idea. And I know that at least in my area, when I have taken them to festivals and things, people have been really, really excited about them. Yes, there's a certain quality of a, a rosary that when you put it in your hand, at least for me, when I'm used to working with a rosary, Mm -hmm. I can. I only need to grab it to feel the peace the prayer gives. Exactly. Just the weight of the object brings my whole body into that space of peace. Yes, it's mm -hmm. amazing. Hmm. And I have Rudraksha beads that I wear, and I will pray or sing with each of those beads, even if I stop at a red light. I really like objects that enhance my prayer. So mm -hmm. that really yeah. that really stuck stuck to me. And coming back to what Winnet said, many of the pieces in the books are chants or mm. can be used as chants. Because as we said, prayer is not just something that you do on your own or that you do silently or you do quietly, right? Prayer can also be a celebration. Prayer can be a party. Prayer can be something that we do as a community. And chants are very important for us. So yeah. many of the pieces have the potential to become songs. Or actually, I would say they are songs already. Yeah. yeah. So in thinking about that, just thinking practically, if pagans are listening to this and they want to get the books and use them for their ceremonies, their rituals, even with the community, is there something that they need to be doing if they are maybe broadcasting live? Do they need to put a link to the book in order to use it? Or is it just free given to the community? I think we'd be very grateful if they would give a shout out to the project, explain where it came from. But I think that, as we say at the beginning of the book, essentially, you've bought the book, you've got the words, and we would like to see them being used. Because I think the more people who do use them, the more people who know them, the more people will want to know them. Right. And that's really got to be a good thing yeah i agree just adds the power to them as well the more people that have them i think that's a beautiful thing to to as a gift to the community but i definitely agree that it would be a great idea if anyone does use them to post somewhere where they are from and where people can buy the books and where do listeners go to purchase these pagan prayer books or even to find out information about what y'all are doing in the future so we have a website that is called modernpaganprayers.com. That's basically all you ever want to know about the project and never there to ask. And there's also links to buy the books. We self-publish in Amazon. Both Wyneth and I have experienced publishing and we decided to go that route this, this one time. We think the books are beautiful. They're also available as ebook. Mm. Uh, yeah. And as Lucia says, there's links through to buy the books 
online. Um, when we publish more books, they will also get added to the page. We've certainly got we've got more books in mind. Thinking about it, yes, but I said we didn't. That's what that's there are several projects that we, we're, we're thinking about. It's, uh... And I have all those links. I'll put them in the show notes. And I also have some of the links to social media. So I'll share those with the listeners as well. Do y'all have any final thoughts for us? I have something to say. If you read our book and you like it, please leave a review in Amazon. It costs nothing. And we are so happy. We talk about it for weeks. Like, oh, you know, such and such from Delaware loved our book. <laughs> and if you don't like it, say so too. <laughs> that way we can improve. That's such a positive thing, a positive attitude. I'd say <laughs> if you don't like it, well, maybe let us know. But I'm not sure I want you to be telling the world. <laughs> be honest, if you don't but... like it, just keep quiet. Absolutely. Well, this is really exciting stuff. Is there anything else that needs to be said before we close our episode? I just want to thank you for inviting us. And I'm really looking forward to seeing you in the workshop and see the wonderful things you're going to write. Oh, awesome. I'm so excited about that. I really appreciate both of y'all being here. Also, thank you for having us, Mella. It's, uh, it's been fun. Good, good. As always, I would love to hear what our listeners think about this episode's topics. What's your attitude on prayer as a pagan? Have you ever written a pagan prayer? If you go to our podcast website, you can comment on this very episode with your thoughts and questions. You can even click the little microphone and send me a voice message. I would certainly love for y'all to read me one of the prayers you have written, and I might just use it on a future episode. Take care, and y'all be blessed. Thank you all for listening to Bell Book and Candle. You can follow Mella on Instagram and Facebook at Bell Book Candle SC. That's Bell, B-E-L-L-E. Or become a patron at patreon.com forward slash Bell Book Candle.